Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, June 21st, and this is your FT News Briefing. Investors who bet on rising prices have been walloped by the Federal Reserve's latest forecast on when it'll start raising interest rates. And we'll tell you about the European Central Bank's plans for a digital euro. Plus, our innovation editor, John Thornhill, joins us for a sneak preview of the FT's Tectonic podcast. The new season explores the latest advances in artificial intelligence. I write a lot about different types of technology, And to me, I think AI is the one that transforms them all in a way. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Investors who'd been betting on inflation are hurting right now. Many of them had put their money in commodities and value stocks and other securities that do well in an environment of rising prices. And that so-called reflation bet had been really successful pretty much through uh, March of this year. That's the FT's U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith. Those gains started to reverse, however, from April. And last week was kind of a real tipping point, I think, for the trade, at least in the near term, given some signaling from the Federal Reserve about its policy path forward now that it has a little bit more information about the economic recovery. So what we saw last week was the Federal Reserve signaling that it would uh, potentially be open to raising interest rates twice in 2023, which was far earlier than I think many investors expected. And um, what this really led people to conclude was that the Fed's tolerance for inflation was perhaps a bit lower than they had initially thought. That's the FT's U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith. The European Central Bank has drawn up plans for a digital euro. It's doing this with an eye on the future, according to Fabio Panetta. He's the ECB executive in charge of getting a European digital currency off the ground. This would uh, allow everybody to have access to safe, riskless, costless means of payment in the digital era. In 20 years from now, everybody will be using digital instruments. And uh, there will be a coexistence, possibly, between uh, digital euro and cash, but I'm sure that everybody will be using digital means of payment. Panetta was speaking to the FT's Martin Arnold, who joins me now to talk more about the digital euro and what it means for Europeans. Hey, Martin. Hi, Mark. Now, Martin, what's the main reason the ECB wants a digital euro? Is it just what Panetta said, or is the ECB doing this because it it feels threatened by the rise of digital currencies, and and it feels like it could lose control over the eurozone supply? Well, as mentioned there, there are concerns about rival coins challenging the monetary sovereignty of the European Central Bank. But the big driver, according to Panetta, is the decline in the usage of cash, which means that the main currency that they issue is through cash. And if that's declining, they want to be able to provide an equivalent in the digital world to ensure that they still have that connection and that control over money supply, and they don't allow a gap to be filled by a a rival from a commercial organization or another country. And what does this mean for European consumers? We just heard Panetta say a digital euro would give people access to safe, costless payments. But, you know, who would have access and, and how would it work? So this is very interesting because 
if the digital euro is too successful, then the ECB has got a big problem on its hands because it could undermine the banking system. Huge amounts of deposits could fly out of the banks and be transformed into these digital euros. Uh, They also don't want uh, it to become too successful outside of the eurozone because it could equally undermine the monetary sovereignty of small countries. So they don't want people to have too much of this. So the way they're going to address that is by putting a cap, limiting the amount of euros that you can hold or charging you negative interest above a certain threshold. So, Martin, uh, this all sounds very ambitious, but are are there privacy concerns? A little while back, we spoke with our global China editor, James King, about Beijing's plan for a digital currency. And he said that Beijing's likely using a digital renminbi for control reasons to keep an eye on its citizens' financial transactions. Are there similar concerns with a digital euro? Well, absolutely there are. But Panetta pushed back on this and said, look, you know, we're a public sector body. We are going to protect confidentiality. We're not interested in making money out of people's payments data. And there are also ways that they can uh, use technology to separate a person's identity from the payment instruction so that their anonymity is to a certain extent protected. But he does say that because of anti-money laundering concerns and tax evasion worries and and terrorism finance concerns and rules, there won't be complete anonymity with the digital euro in the way that there is for cash, except maybe for very small payments up to, say, 75 euros or, or 100 euros. Martin Arnold is the FT's Frankfurt Bureau Chief. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Mark. Artificial intelligence is quietly reshaping our lives, from medical research to the way we communicate. It's giving new powers to the police and changing how we interact with money. It's the thing that the new season of the FT's Tectonic podcast is focusing on. Our innovation editor, John Thornhill, looks at the latest advances in machine intelligence. He joins me now to share some of his findings. Hey, John. Hi. So, John, I've got to ask, has all the reporting on artificial intelligence that you've done made you more hopeful or more nervous about where we're going with AI? I'm both. Uh, I'm uh, kind of incredibly uh, interested and quite excited by the possibilities of using AI. And I think in some areas of kind of medical research and healthcare in particular, it can be used in incredibly powerful and innovative ways to help science develop and help patients get better treatment. Uh, So I'm quite optimistic about that. But there are clearly big problems with the way that it is used as we explore in the series. Uh, one is um, the data, uh, particularly for healthcare, uh, that um, we use. Uh, there are big privacy uh, uh, issues that involved in using healthcare data in particular. And there are also more generally uh, when we use language generation systems, which is one of the uses of AI at the moment. Uh, There's a real danger, I think, of embedding human prejudices into um, these systems that we use. And we're not often aware that the computer says this is the case, and therefore we think it must be true. Yeah, and and on that issue, you spoke to computer scientist Margaret Mitchell for the season of Tectonic. She worked for Google. She was actually a leader of Google's ethical AI team until the company fired her this year after she criticized Google's culture. Now, she's an AI fairness activist, and here she is on how machines can learn racism. 
we can think of ways that people talk that are racist. And that's in data that gets scraped. And then systems will just learn that. So now the question becomes, how do we train things in a way that it won't pick up that kind of racism? And it does, you know, that the quote does talk about what you're talking about in that AI mimics what humans do and say, is there a way to build artificial intelligence that doesn't reinforce human prejudices? I think there are different ways of trying to go about this problem. I mean, the first problem is just uh, scrubbing the data uh, that people use in building their models. Uh, So I think you have to be incredibly careful about the data that you use if you're giving people bank loans or giving them insurance um, uh, applications or hiring or firing decisions. You've got to be incredibly careful. What what are the past patterns that are encoded in that data uh, to make sure that you're not just replicating kind of human biases in the system? I think the second thing is that diversity helps. The more eyeballs um, you have looking at code, the more likely it is that people will pick up on unintended consequences of some of the um, the programs that uh, are being developed at the moment. So, John, you and our European technology correspondent, Matamita Mergia, reported extensively on AI around the world. And amid all that you found, I'm curious, was there anything that you thought was especially surprising? I think really where AI is being used, we tend to think of it as a kind of leading edge technology, which is being used in California and the rich countries around the world. But Madhu, uh, in her episode on healthcare, I mean, explains how it is being used in India and it is helping doctors there diagnose and treat patients. And I think that's the real promise of AI, that it can vastly reduce the costs of um, healthcare systems. It can improve the efficiency and the speed at which they are used as well and open up access. So I think it is a way of uh, kind of massively reducing costs, reducing friction, Uh, improving access in many areas. And I think that is the promise of AI, that it will fundamentally improve the kind of productivity of economies and um, the way in which we can use technology to innovate and um, improve people's lives. You can find a link to the second season of Tectonic in the show notes. And John and I will talk more about AI later today on the audio chatroom app Clubhouse. That's today, June 21st at 11 a.m. ET, 4 p.m. British Standard Time. If you need an invite to the app, reach out to me on Twitter and I'll send you one. I'm at mfilipino. I look forward to seeing you there and answering your questions. And you can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. This is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.